citizens of Springfield, I officially declare this. What the hell is that? Why, it's Lisa Simpson. And look what she's doing. She's murdered her brother. And she's trying to dump the body in a harbor. Well, duh. And as a grim finale, she intends to drown that poor Cade's baby. Oh, what's happening? Where am I? And she's on drugs! Give me the drugs, Lisa. Dad, I'm not on drugs. I was just trying... Oh, his arm! Oh, my special little guy! Are you okay? Mmm, dislocated shoulder, bump on the noggin. My diagnosis? A rather nasty fall caused by bad babysitting. <laughs> Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we're here to review my sister, my sitter. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Sorry, I was just drinking your coffee. I thought your intro was going to run longer. It's the usual intro. I, I, I say the episode name. I say I'm Dan, and then you say I'm oh. Mitch. Sometimes you get super. That was a good impression, by the way. Sometimes you just get super excited, and you, you know what it is. In my head, I feel like we still have a sponsor. So it would be welcome to Forking a Discount, proudly brought to you by blah 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 blah. I am Dando, and in that time, I used to get a little bit of a drink in, and these days I just can't do it. But you see, the thing is, now we have so many beloved patrons that we don't need sponsors, do we, Mitch? I don't know about not need sponsors. I'd be happy with sponsors. That is true. But anyway, so we're here to review My Sister, My Sitter. Now, I want to let you know that this episode, I had to watch it twice because I went in negatively because last week you planted the seed. You said during last week's podcast how you think that Bart is terrible in this episode and you just he's, you don't like Bart, basically. When, and, hang on. I usually don't like Bart when he's just being a dick for no reason. Not that, not that I just have written off Bart as a character forever. Yeah, I mean, like you don't like the way Bart was behaving in this episode. Just this episode hmm. alone. Yeah. So I, I needed to watch it twice because the first time I watched it, I feel like I was sort of my opinion was tainted because I was going in thinking, okay, I was I was almost looking for Bart to be a dick because you said it last week. So I watched it, and by the end of it, I was like, you know what? I don't really like this episode anymore because of the way Bart was behaving. But I thought, no, because I remember liking this episode as a kid. So I went back and I watched it a second time, and I tried to watch it with a more, I guess you could say, positive light. So trying to look for the the positives in the episode as opposed to just looking at just Bart's behavior and thinking that the episode's bad because of it. And I think whilst Bart's behavior is terrible in this episode, you've got to remember he's a kid. You see, because the way Bart and Lisa are written in The Simpsons, you forget that they're only eight and ten years old. They are only children. Yeah, the reason that we forget that they're eight and ten is because they're not often written as being eight and ten though. So I don't take fault for that as an audience member. Like, if you've you've set these kids up that they can crack, you know, they can beat, take down crimes, they can crack mysteries, they can do all sorts of stuff that a normal 8 and 10-year-old can't do. So then when you do see them just be an 8 and 10-year-old, sometimes it's like, it's that thing of like when Homer is really dumb just to fit the purpose of a story, Bart here is just being really naughty just to fit the purpose of a story. Yeah. And it was it's funny you should have um, brought it up first because I was watching this one with Ash, which we don't often do. Normally, I sit down and watch these alone. But she was watching it for a little bit and then just looked at me and went, why is Bart being such a dick? 
Like, I think if you were a casual fan in particular, it would have been really jarring. Like, anyone that doesn't watch The Simpsons week in, week out for years and hasn't seen that Bart can be like this from time to time would have just, like, it would almost have been like Homer's Odyssey, the like, where the family's just completely out of character and off the rails. You know, actually, I think this is one of those episodes where it, it's it, you watch it differently as you get older. Not just the, the adult jokes that you didn't understand when you were a kid. But... Oh, yes, there's one of those in this for me. We'll get to it later. Yes. In the waiting room. Exactly the one you're talking about. We won't spoil it just yet, but I'm sure the listeners at home know exactly what we're talking about. But like I was saying, I feel like this episode, when you're watching it as a kid, you would find Bart's behavior funny. Mm-hmm. Whereas as an adult, you find it, you see it as immature, you see it as a completely different light. So this episode, has, it's got it's, it's got a good balance of comedy for yeah, older and true. younger viewers. Because like I said, the younger kids enjoy Bart's antics. They find it hilarious. Because I'm telling you, I laughed at Bart, what, what he was doing when I was a kid. I thought, I thought it was funny because I didn't think of the, the actual seriousness of the situation and what he was actually doing to Lisa and doing to himself, like causing self-harm. But I think as you get older, you appreciate it. Or you don't appreciate it, you see it in a different light. You know what I mean? Mm. No, that's a, that's a very good point. And it's probably, I would imagine, would have been true of myself. It's not like I would have watched this. I would have been in that exact same position when I was younger. I would have found that Bart was being hilarious. And I do get the indignity of having your younger sister have to babysit for you. That would be, like, for, to a kid, that would be, like, the, one of the greatest crimes against humanity imaginable so as Bart quoted in the episode uh, yeah um so I do like that it's at least a uh, in his eyes a reasonable response to an injustice well they even planted the seeds you see it wasn't just Bart out of the blue they planted the seeds earlier in the episode that he was jealous because when Lisa was counting her money on the bed he walks in and he sort of you can just tell he's jealous that she's doing something with herself and making some money out of it he doesn't like that yeah true he's a little dismissive of it but I think there is a jealousy under it for sure yeah, for some reason, I just got in my head myself watching this episode with Ali in a few more years and him sitting there laughing at Bart and me going, now, son, you know what he's doing is wrong and you shouldn't be laughing at it, even though I laughed at it as a kid. But I, you know, it's funny. I <laughs> was sitting there and I'll be watching TV and Ali be sitting on my lap and then he's just enthralled with the TV. I guess it's just all, you know, the colors and the sounds, but I feel bad that, 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 he's, that he's already watching TV. I need to stop that. It's a bad thing to be doing, to having my four-month-old watching television already. At least he's watching The Simpsons. He'll have an iPad by the time he's one. No, no, no. He will not have an iPad at... No, I'm telling you right now, you can call me out for it if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, there will never be a point before the age of like at least, I don't know, what, what is the right age for an iPad to give, to give a child technology? But I'm telling you right now, for the foreseeable future, my child, Elliot, will not have a phone. He will not be given an iPad. None of that. None yeah. at all. Uh, I did a home loan interview. It wasn't his iPad, but I did a home loan interview the other day. Someone popped in, had a kid who was just over two on a mobile phone, just watching YouTube in the corner. Oh, mate. So, uh, Nicola and I were in town on Sunday, and we're walking. This is for local listeners, a little local reference, uh, in between, uh, what's it called, Westfield and Market Square, just crossing the, the new crossing there. Mouth Street. And there was this guy pushing a kid in a pram, and probably the same age as what you were just saying. I'd say probably two. You probably could have walked. You, look, you looked old enough to be, I don't know, about two-ish. But he had a phone in his hand, and he was just looking at some sort of it's like Netflix or something on his phone. I couldn't believe it. Like he was literally pushing a child around in a pram and the child's on a phone. I don't think the kid could even speak. He had a dummy in his mouth. Like, come on. That's that's not right, surely. I would be walking around, if I was a parent, with a little glass case, break in case of emergency, and it would just be a whole bunch of... It would be every phone for the last few years, starting with the 3310, 
And it's like prescription drugs. You put them on snake, and if that doesn't work, then you step up to Angry Birds. And if that doesn't work, <laughs> then you get onto one of those turbo racing deals. And if that doesn't work, Dora the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> then heroin. But anyway, getting back to the episode, My Sister, My Sitter, do you feel like it felt a bit unrealistic? Because I know, you know, that they made Lisa mature. They, Lisa is a mature for an eight-year-old. But still, come on, she is eight years old. There is no way that someone, I mean, Marge and Homer maybe, but there's no way that someone else is going to let Lisa, an eight-year-old, babysit their kids. Hmm. It's just not going to happen. I don't know. At what age does babysitting become a thing? Like, yeah, in reality, not an eight-year-old. I think that would probably never happen because there's certain emergencies that an eight-year-old is just not going to be equipped to handle. Yeah. For example, I think even something as simple as burning your hand on the oven would be a bit too much for most eight-year-olds. Or trying to work out how to operate a Blu-ray player, you know, to shut up the children. <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out how to get the parental lock off of the set-top box. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I remember doing that as a kid. You just could never figure it out and you realise it's just zero, zero, zero. But anyway, do you feel like in this episode, we, we say that she was written mature, or I just said it then, it felt odd seeing Lisa almost becoming an eight-year-old again because it's not often we see Lisa like that anymore. In the earlier seasons, we did, but do you feel like they, they, they sort of went back to writing her as a kid just specifically for this story? Yeah, I think emotionally maybe a little bit, but I also think but being that much of a shit, most older characters would still have reacted the same way. So, I don't think they really ride her too much as a kid. Certainly, Bart, a lot as a 10-year-old as a throwing a tantrum. It's a wonder she didn't just pull out the um, that, that game that the chick that sued Homer for sexual harassment. Was it like disembowelment four or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think it was disembowelment. Certainly along those lines. Yeah, so why didn't she just pull that out? That would have worked a charm, surely. Um, it would have, except that was the babysitter's gang. And presumably after Homer sexually harassed her, she did not want to donate it to the family. I just heard a door bang. Did, did someone just walk in? Was that Ash? Did she just walk in the door? No, Ash is already home. Um, it might have been a gentleman caller. Ash, who's in the house? <laughs> Get my pistol. <laughs> Maybe he just left. Maybe that's someone sneaking out of the house. I did call you. Who's in the house? I heard the door. She claims no one. I don't believe it. I do not believe her yeah. at all. I'll, I'll be going back over the tape. <laughs> we have a- Apparently, it's someone that brought her candles. Someone that brought her candles? I don't believe that for one second. I reckon that was... The- so, you, know, you know what it was? We've been recording for like 10 minutes. That was someone sneaking out. Um, no, well, if if it was the, the candle man, there's one thing about them. They last for at least 40 hours. So, <laughs> um, I would have caught them. I'd love it if I'd love it if the candle delivery guy's name was John, just so yes. he would be John Wick or John Candy, or if the business, if like if your name was John, or, or even if it's not, you just do it for the sake of it. You start a candle shop called John's Wick. Oh, for sure. Except I wouldn't go to that store because candles, I just they they kill me. They just like give me the hay fevers. You know, candles give you the hay fever. Yeah. <laughs> 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 firstly, firstly, why are you talking like someone from the deep south in 1830s? No, 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 because I meant to say the sneezes, but then they came out as the hay fevers. <laughs> oh, Dando, Dando's not going to be doing the podcast today. He's out with a case of the hay fever. I meant to say the, the, the sneezes, but then for some reason I was like, okay, I need to say hay fever, but then it came out as the hay fevers. Mm. Uh, but um, anyway, so... I've got here, so I feel like one thing they did do right in this episode was that they really, they captured that sibling rivalry, because oh, you and I, we've yeah, both got sisters, yeah. and we've, we've all had our arguments, but it's not just even yes. 
sisters and brothers, it's brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters, just siblings in general. We've all had our arguments and I think they did a great job of capturing just what it's like to have a, a shit of a sibling. <laughs> no, I, uh, I related to a lot of that aspect of it to all sorts of arguments that I've had with my sister when I've been babysitting her um, to the time that I accidentally threw my brother into the... Um, uh, the, the the footer of the bed, like the big wooden footer, what? um, clocked him on the forehead and very similar position to Bart actually had like an instant egg. And <laughs> it's one of those things of like, oh, how do I get that to go down in the next 40 minutes? <laughs> how much younger is your uh, younger brother than you? Oh, uh, yeah, Jordan is 10 years, oh, 12 years younger than me. So how old were you when this happened? Um, I reckon I was 16. You were, you were <laughs> so like an adult. a kid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, that legitimately wasn't a fight. That was just us mucking around and me <laughs> getting a little bit too heavy-handed with it. Um, oh, I'm, actually, I might have even been younger, but because I didn't, if I was 16, I reckon I would have been old enough to just front up and go, nah, I did this and I'm sorry, it was an accident. But instead, I tried to bribe his silence by um, giving him a doll of mine. Yeah. I think I had like a Cartman toy that I gave to him. And that lasted about two minutes because my parents came home and my stepmom went into his room and went, why does Jordan have your Cartman? And, and, and Inappropriate. I hadn't thought far enough ahead to come up with a lie. I went, um, he stole it. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he stole it. So I bashed his head. Uh, I'm just, I was just laughing during that because it just reminded me of the story. So my sister and I, she's four years younger than me, but uh, we used to, every Saturday morning, we'd set up you know, like castles and sh- cubby houses and shit with the, uh, the couch cushions. Um, and every Saturday morning, we'd do that with the cash cushions and we'd watch Rage on Channel 2. We, we loved watching Rage every Saturday morning. Yep. <laughs> and then we also, we liked wrestling because wrestling was huge. This is like 1998, 1999. Wrestling was huge at that point. So we used to have wrestling matches on the cash cushions. And I remember one time, uh, it was about WrestleMania 15. And it, during that event, Mick Foley had been chokeslammed through two chairs. So the two chairs were set up and just facing each other, chokeslammed through the middle. So I thought, oh, piece of piss. I'll do this to my sister on the cash cushions. She was all for it. So, keep in mind, she was like six, seven at the time. Um, we put the couch cushion set up similar to how the chairs were set up. And I pick her up to give her the choke slam. And they like, her foot like on the way up, like parts the cushions. And as she's coming down, I realized that the cushions are no longer there, but I couldn't stop. <laughs> so, she's fucking bang, straight on the floor. <laughs> and I remember, I was like, <laughs> I just killed my sister. But <laughs> she was okay, but... I just always reminded me of that moment, but I uh, I remember that I got that footage because we were film we used to film the wrestling matches, and I remember that I um <laughs> I got the footage and I put it with the audio of Jr. going, "Good God Almighty, he killed him! This God is my witness, he has broken in half." It's like I zoomed in on my face of me just realizing yep. that I may have just destroyed my sister, just ended her life. <laughs> Just the fear in little 10-year-old Dando's eyes as that was happening. It's just, oh, it's one of my favorite moments. That's brilliant. I'm glad that story huh. came out. Um, what did, uh, what do you think outside of that, uh, what do you think the episode did best and what do we think it did worst? Well, one thing that I felt I was disappointed with the episode was that the, the whole squid port thing, we didn't get much of it. For some reason in my mind, I felt like that was like a B-plot, but no, it was just a way to get Marjorie Hammer away from the kids and they barely even interact with anybody. They barely interact with each other as well. The other thing too was, did you notice that they, they got all dressed up and they made it like it was a big deal to get dressed up in a suit and tie and whatnot, but no one else there was dressed up. They were the only ones dressed up. Well, I think that's just be- because for Homer and Marge, it's 
a big night out for them. But I'm pretty sure it was like a black tie gala. I, I thought they mentioned that on like, Iron Springfield, that it was going to be a black tie kind of affair, and that's why they made the effort. No, I suppose the mayor's there. You would have thought a few more people would be dressed up. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I swear. I, I swear I heard them say something about how it was going to be a black tie affair. Um, I'll have to go back through the transcript. Yeah, maybe. I'll check. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I just feel that like some of the best moments in the whole episode came from Homer and Marge at the script board, particularly Homer, of course. But my favourite moment in the entire episode was when Homer getting stuck in the water fountains. It was just yep. <laughs> his reaction is just the best. <laughs> I was once one of you. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's more like even just Dan's acting of the yeah, like he's just giving up. <laughs> but like I said, I just I feel like there was more to be had there, more more shenanigans to be you know for for Homer to do because it's just it felt a little bit lackluster and like there wasn't enough happening yeah. there. For me, I'd, I'd agree with that. It would have been nice to have seen a few more jokes rather than just a few psych acts because all that stuff was very very funny. But again, maybe that's more the adult in me looking at that. Um, one of the other things that I think the episode did really well was capture that spirit of when shit just goes out of hand oh, and yes. you have lost the ability <laughs> to salvage the situation. It made me think back to a time, uh, I was 15, 16, something along those lines. I was going to a party. It was one of, uh, it was one of those nights where like in a 24-hour period, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. So I told my dad that I was going to stay at my friend Terry's house. Terry told his dad that he was going to stay at my house. And we thought, excellent, let's go out to the town. We'll have a fantastic night. We'll stay up all night. Yeah. And then at about 11 o'clock, it started to hammer down with rain. And we're like, it kind of sucks. Don't want to be outside anymore. But we can't go to either of our parents' houses because they'll know we've lied. So then we started walking along the Malula Bar Esplanade. Terry, um, who had a bad ACL as it was, <laughs> slipped in the rain and redid his knee. So then started hobbling along. Um, we walked for, I reckon, an hour and a half in that condition to finally get to a house that was a girl that Terry knew. There was about six mm. dogs and four cats mm. living in the house and it smelled very much of six dogs <laughs> yeah. and four cats. I slept on an uncomfortable couch. The next day, his friend Ben came and picked us up in his father's car. Ben was 15. He didn't even have his L's. He drove there the entire way with the handbrake on. <laughs> 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 we then had to spend the rest of the day back at Ben's uh, house trying to get the smell of burning brakes out of the car. Sounds like something out of a movie, like the, like the Hangover or something. <laughs> Shit just doesn't go right at all. And it was very similar. It was just one of those things of like, and again, as a kid, you're like, ah, oh, this is all just, no matter what band-aid you tried to apply to fix the situation, it just made it worse and worse. Instead of uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, it's like Mitch's night out. Well, yeah, at least Ferris Bueller was in control. That is true. Yeah. Of his own <laughs> destiny. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the things that I did really enjoy. I, I, I liked Lisa's plight of trying to just get out of this scenario. It reminds me of when I um, was trying to build my giant Millennium Falcon logo. Now I've got that, the huge one. And there was a point where I was trying to put a piece in and it wasn't quite fitting. So I was like, I had to like wedge it. But then, you know, Lego, you push too hard and it all just unfolds. So I wedged it in too hard. Bang, that piece comes flying out. So I tried to grab that one and plug that hole. And then when I did that one, I let go of the other piece and that fell apart. And then in the end, I just went, oh, fuck it. And I let go and it all just fucking fell apart. And I'd you go out and buy the Starship Enterprise and start on that. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I've just given up. And everyone's like, Dana, why, why is the money fucking half finished? Leave it. Don't even go there. <laughs> Um, alternate title for the episode. We've put the call out. Yeah, so, yeah no, I've uh, I've got my own one. I've got oh. my own one. I was going to say it's it's not that good, but I've gone with a uh, sister acting up. 
oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Even though she's not actually acting yeah, up. Yeah, I know. It's it's yeah. yeah. I just try to get. Uh, I went with "Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Brother's Dead." Oh, good. See, I was trying to work that title into something, but I couldn't quite figure it out. Yeah. Nice one. Thank <laughs> you very much. Uh, what have we got? Um, Joshua Sin from the Patreon page writes in with the good, the bread, and the ugly. Ooh, I like that one. David Nayer, mm, the Babysitter's Club sandwich. <laughs> that quote works for everything. I love it. <laughs> Kristen Nell diagnosis bad babysitting. Yeah, that's just stealing a quote from the episode, but I'll, I'll let them have it. <laughs> oh, but also diagnosis murder is a movie. Oh, or, of course, uh, yeah, yeah, movie yeah. or a TV show? I think it's a TV show. Uh, TV show, I think. Yeah. Uh, Dave Cook, Return of the Yard King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joseph O'Hara will round it out with a shoulder in every socket and a baby in every cage. Well played, sir. Well played. Mm-hmm. We also need to give a shout out to our man Dylan Haggard. He is our one hundred dollar patron for this month. So I'd just like to say, Mr. Dylan, we love you very, very dearly, don't we, Mitchell? Love's a strong word, Dando. Oh well, I, I love you twice as much, Dylan, to make up for the fact that Mitch has no love for you at all. I love you twice as much. There you go. <laughs> well, that's fine. As long as he's getting equal amount of four finger discount love, that's easier for me. Um, the uh, Ash loves the Candleman twice as much as yes, she exactly. loves me. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So. It's all it all evens out. The can a man can, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, Dylan's also requested that we review the episode. I think it's from like season twenty one ish, around about that time. Holidays of Futures Past. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to reviewing that one. Good suggestion. Yeah, that's an episode that I've been meaning to watch for a very long time. So um, excellent suggestion, and I cannot wait. Now, Mitch, I have got a bit of a fact here that I didn't come up with myself. I read it straight for the Wikipedia page, so it's got to be true. So uh, it says here that Matt Groening, he once revealed that there was actually an entire episode that was going to be based around Planet Hollywood, which would feature the voices of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and Bruce Willis, playing like Three Stooges type of characters. Voicing themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voiced by themselves. That would have been phenomenal. Oh, tell me about it. I know. It would have been incredible. Imagine the budget of that episode to get those three. It would have been through the roof. But do, do you think like the, the guests actually get paid like a lot to do the... the... Oh, yeah. Of course they get paid. I don't, They're yeah, professionals. I don't think they get paid, but do you think they get paid more than the actors? <laughs> They're not like us. Do you think they get paid more than the actors, though, is what I'm saying? Like, do you think it's a... a the budget goes... Uh, I mean... That that would obviously depend on the guest yeah. and how badly you want them. But uh, the episode never actually came about, never eventuated, because apparently it was just an episode idea that was getting thrown around or was approved by their publicist, but the actors themselves never actually approved it. It's a shame, though, because it would have been an amazing episode. It's so, so annoying that it didn't actually happen. I think typically the way it works with guests, it'd be probably similar to the way it works with uh, a lot of movie stars, that they have a, a, a rate per movie. So, like... Will Smith, for example, would have a rate per film of like, if you want me, this is what I cost. But then if he gets a deal that he really, really wants or a movie that he really, really wants to do, he might make a different deal and either agree to do it for just the daily minimum or do it for a percentage or whatever it might be. So I'd imagine guest stars would do that same thing depending on how big a fan they were of either the show or the concept. Okay, now it is time for some trivia. Mitch, hit me with your best shot. Oh, okay, I will. You've caught me off guard. Let me just bring my trivia up. What was the topic of the sermon? Oh, um, 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 it's a simple one. Uh, love? Love. Yes, I knew it. I knew it was something simple. Um, my first question is, if Lisa worked from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., how much money would she have earned according to her rate? Uh, $10. No, it was $6. What was her rate? Was it two bucks an hour plus an every plus an hour after nine? No, a dollar for every hour, two dollars after nine. Ah, okay, yeah. So what did you say then? Six bucks. Six bucks. It was six dollars. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was on the right track. I just had the wrong 
I, ha- I had the wrong base price. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which of the following was not on Rod and Todd's wall? A hat, a pennant, or a poster? Uh, a poster? Ah, incorrect, my friend. It was a poster. There's a Springfield pennant. Damn it. I, I, I want a poster because poster just seemed like the, the obvious one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that that was a, a nice little... When I was sitting there going, what could I come up with that's going to be a good little tricky one? Um, they did have pictures of sheep above their beds, but they were not posters for what I could tell. Okay, fair enough. All right, next question for me is, what was happening down at the Squidport? What was happening at the Itchy and Scratchy store? What kind of event? Um, was it uh, ladies' night? No, it was a Poochie closeout sale. Ah, that's a nice little callback. Yeah, there's actually a few throwbacks, like I said, but that that was just one of them. I really appreciated throwbacks in this episode. Uh, my final question: Who was the proponent of non-violent resistance, other than Bart? It's Gandhi, right? Mahatma Gandhi. Yes, Gandhi. I thought it was Gandhi. <laughs> and my final question is. What were the three things that Bart had called 911 for that they cracked the shits with when Lisa called them back? Oh, uh, so cysterectomy, uh, something about the bottom, butt rot, and leprechaun bite. I think it was leprechaun fight, wasn't it? Not bite? Fight or bite? Surely it's a leprechaun bite. Why would you call ni- Like, why would you call an ambulance to say there are two leprechauns fighting? Well, I've got fight. <laughs> And and the other two jokes in that setup are fake medical procedures. Yeah, I know. I think, well, I don't know, for some reason I must have heard fight. That's a weird one. Anyway, let's move on. So the original air date was March 2nd, 1997. And the catch, and this is one I'd completely forgotten about, but I, I thought it was great. So the living room is actually now just the couch on a ship. The family all wearing their raincoats. They run in, sit on the couch, and a wa- giant wave comes, and Homer looks, and he turns, and he's scared, and it wipes them out. Really, I really like that couch gag. So, Mitch... The way this episode kicks off, I'm sure it's a way that you are really appreciated. I was just dancing around to that on loop for a while. I should <laughs> I imagine um, you would be. Yeah. get the eye on Springfield's theme as my ringtone. That'd make me pretty happy in life. Well, you should get that as your ringtone and just have me call you in public. People would love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, for the first four or five times and then like any novelty ringtone, it would quickly start to shit you. So this episode of Iron Springfield, you can just tell the writers have a great time when they're writing the Iron Springfield segments. You've got three bits here. So the first one is the two-story outhouse. <laughs> oh, God, make it stop. Yes. And then we get the comedian who's going to visit the people in hospital that need the shoulder surgery, makes them put their arms up. Mm-hmm. And finally, we get the announcement that the Squidport is coming to Springfield. They've stolen it from Baltimore. And they're doing a season of The Wire. Set in Springfield. <laughs> I, would, I would love it. Imagine if The Simpsons dedicated a whole season to The Wire. It'd be great. It would be. You could have uh, Carl would be one of the cops. Well, actually, Eddie and Lou. I mean, we already have two cops. So, Eddie would be McNutty and <laughs> Lou would be Carver. Would Wigan be Fat John Cena? <laughs> Fat John Cena. Um, <laughs> That's what this was called. Google it. <laughs> what is his name in that? I think it's Ed. Uh, but anyway, is beside it? the point. No, we need to know what his name is. He deserves, he deserves that we get his name right. Oh, no, it's Jay. Um, Jay. Jay. Is yes. Fat John Cena. Oh, the Wire. We've told you time and time again, listeners, if you haven't seen The Wire, go out and buy it on Blu-ray and watch it all because I've got it on Blu-ray recently and my God, it is so much better. Full screen The Wire. It doesn't get much better than that. Seriously. It's incredible. So like we said, Brockman's announcing the uh, the script. No, no. Hey, I've got it here in my notes. Black Tie Gala. So it, it must have been. It, it, he must have said Black Tie Gala. That's why Homer and Marge get dressed up. Uh you are, yeah, you are very correct. Maybe it's just the rest of Springfield couldn't be asked. Maybe 
there's only one black tie to go around and Homer got it first. Or maybe it was just a ruse to trick Marge and Homer because you know, I got fooled once, so it wasn't a trick on me, but one time my friend, Phil, you know Phil, he uh, was going to be having, I think it was even his 21st, he was going to be a dress-up party. So I thought, cool, I'll go all out. And I was kind of in shape back in those days. I've completely just lost the plot now, but, you know, 100% dad bod. But I rocked up to the party dressed as the Hulk, nothing but shorts on, just straight up green paint on my body, dressed as the Hulk. Walk in, no one else is wearing dress-up party. <laughs> he changed the plans mid-afternoon whilst I was at work and didn't think to tell me. Uh, there's a really good song about that by Gavin Osborne called Charlie's 18th Birthday. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's so amazingly well told. It's a song that I very highly recommend. So then we get to Lisa and Janie reading the Babysitter Twins books, which is just a complete takeoff of the Babysitter Club, which were huge in the 90s for chicks, weren't they? They were like the girls' version of Goosebumps in school. Yes, they really were. Yeah, you're right. Basically, this whole scene, well, Lisa's never mentioned before in the past that she wants to do any form of babysitting, but you know they had to plant the seed for the episode. What is nice here, though, is I've got that... Lisa's finally been able to find a way to you know, benefit from her intelligence and her maturity because, like we said, she's written to be well more mature than a normal eight-year-old. And now she's kind of like, I guess you can't say she's making a living, but for an eight-year-old, the money she's making, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, according to Bart, it's a living. If I was making that much money, I'd be out of here so fast. Then we're at church and the reverend is plugging Lisa's babysitting service. Are you allowed to advertise a business in church? Feels like it's cash for comments or something. Like there's got to be some sort of well, I'm, I don't go to church, like there's so there's got to be some no sort idea. of sacred. <laughs> but well, yeah, you're right. Like we're we're both not allowed. Yeah, exactly. so it's difficult. <laughs> so back at home, and Lisa's now really sad that nobody is calling. She just she can't understand it. You know, I'm mature. Why would they not want me to babysit? And Marge has to explain it to her. It's, it's a great little uh, line here where she's saying maybe people don't want an yeah. eight year old babysitting their kids. They want someone who's more responsible. That's why they get teenagers. <laughs> And then Flanders arrives, knocks on the door, and he needs a babysitter uh, urgently. But Homer is just not interested at all, is he? Homer, I've got a fuzzy of a bear of a problem. You know, Maud and her mother were visiting Tyre and Sidon, the twin cities of the Holy Land. They must have kneeled in the wrong place and prayed to the wrong God because well, they're being held prisoner by militants of some sort. Militants, huh? Well, if I were you, I'd kick their asses. Well, any hoodly doodle. The embassy says it's just a routine hostage taking, but I have to drive to Capital City, fill out some forms to get them out. Could you possibly watch the kids tonight? Oh, gee, I'd really love to want to help you, Flanders, but uh, Marge was taken prisoner in the uh, Holy Land and. Uh... I'll do it, I'll babysit. Oh, I don't know, Lisa. You're awfully young, and the boys can be a handful. Todd's been pinching everyone lately. But I'm smart and responsible, and my parents will be right next door. Well, what do you say, Homer? Can Lisa babysit for my kids? Please, please, please. I'll have to ask her. Can I just digress for one second? Did you ever have to babysit anyone you weren't related to? I did, actually, yeah. My next-door neighbour, his name was Nathan. Absolute shithead. Ah, yeah. So, up in, up in Queensland, I had to babysit the next-door neighbour's kids as well when I was, like, 15. And they were, A, young. B, went to bed very early. C, parents had a porn stash that I happened across the Ooh. first time that I ever babysat there. So, then from that moment on, I was like, yep, I'll babysit. You guys going out? Look, I, I I was actually like finding leaflets of things and going, hey, look, these guys have got a concert on this Friday. And then there's this on Saturday and that on Sunday. Maybe you should go. You just go out and just buy them tickets anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just booking things for them. I was like, like, I don't even know who this person is. Hey, guys, got your tickets to Big Day Out. So, I explained to me, was it DVD porn or was it uh, magazine porn? No, it was VHS. 
oh, VHS porn, the Holy Grail. Yeah. Was it like really worn out from being overused? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a high um, high film quality, uh, like story porn. <laughs> Storytelling. So, there was... Um, <laughs> There were, there was scenes to sort of set the mood. I'm just imagining so one time, you, like you've been babysitting time and time again, and you go there one day, and the dad pulls you aside and says, "Mate, next time make sure you rewind it back to the start because I know what you're doing." <laughs> <laughs> no, I was always very careful about that. I time stamped every time. Yeah, and you had to be. You had to be extremely cautious when you when it was dealing with porn in the '90s when you're trying to be secret about it. <laughs> Where are the dice? Daddy says dice are wicked. We just move one space at a time. It's less fun that way. Don't worry, a moth is no more harmful than a ladybug. A ladybug! They're gonna get eaten alive in middle school. And thank you for sending Lisa to protect us from the bug you sent. And please make Lisa tell us a bedtime story about robots. Once there was a robot named Todd. Did he have a brother? Yes, he had a brother robot named Rod, who was two space years older than him. I don't like this story. This was actually hilarious. Like, I thought Rod and Todd were just... I know, they're, they're good in small doses, but here, they were just absolutely perfect. The, the, the way they bounced off of Felicia was great. I think my favourite moment was the, I don't like this story. <laughs> my favourite part of this whole thing was when Flanders comes back and is impressed about... Wow, uh, what is it? Um, hang on, let me get the exact. Sleeping quietly after a bug attack. Yeah, that's right. Yes, and and Rod is bone dry. <laughs> you know, this may be like a little bit of a segue. It's still about the episode, though. When you're watching this, I, I well, when I was watching it, I felt like I was watching it an earlier season episode. What about you? Like, I just felt like it felt very grounded. Uh, yeah, uh, I was thinking that watching it, that it was a much older take on the show. There's nothing zany. There's you know no. I mean, Bart falls down the stairs. Like, there's no crazy animation. There's nothing overly cartoony, apart from the fact that he's walking around with a dislocated shoulder and feeling no pain. And apparently, his dislocated shoulder took place in the middle of his elbow. But you know, whatever. Um, but there's, but it's not like the it's not like Conan O'Brien Simpsons. This is like um, it's grounded. Yeah, I was. Uh, it's, this is James L. Brooks Simpsons. Yes, that is a perfect way of of explaining it. Yeah, well done. Except without. The heart. <laughs> oh, there's a little bit of heart, I guess. You know, Bart tries to make things better at the end. Yeah, but not quite on the level of James L, I guess. It's not the point of the story, though. No, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, one of the things that... I, we didn't discuss it at the start. We must have skipped over it. One of the things that did annoy me about this episode was that Bart didn't get any repercussions for his actions. It was just, Lisa's lost her job, Bart's arms in a sling, life's back to normal. It just didn't seem like it tied together very well. Like, Bart should have been punished for his behaviour, and Lisa's reputation is now ruined because he was just an absolute dick. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't get punished, and Lisa doesn't get any uh, form of retribution either. Like, she's not salvaged or saved. No, like, not at all. she's done realistically nothing wrong. She's been pushed to the brink. Bart's hurt himself, and Lisa's lost her job. Oh, well, I, hang on. She does get the calls, I suppose. No, never mind. I take that back. I just forgot about the last 15 seconds of the show. But her, but her reputation's still ruined. She has to try and earn back the trust of everybody. Yeah, her reputation, they're only going to her out of desperation. So Flanders has said he's going to recommend Lisa to everybody because she did such a great job of babysitting Rod and Todd. Next up, we have her babysitting Ralph Wiggum. Now, this is where the other throwback, or one of the other throwbacks comes. So uh, Wiggum says to her, call 911. 
unless it's an emergency. Now, throw back to the Stonecutters episode where 912 is the real 911. Wigan was a stonecutter. Uh, he was one of the stonecutters. I I didn't actually take that as a callback to that, but I'm willing to... I, I won't argue it. I thought it was just a joke on the fact that the cops are so bad at their job. Yeah, I know, but still, you can kind of see it as a throwback if you want to. It could be seen as a throwback, for sure. Uh, I I love the Bob Seger, Bob Sacker joke. Very funny. Oh, that's great. It's, except that's dated now because I bet you there's so many viewers out there who have no idea who Bob Saget is. Yeah, I don't know what he's been doing of late. The last thing that I saw him in was the Aristocrats movie, which was, Jesus, that's probably 10 years old at least now. Uh, I'm sure he has done things. He actually hosted the um, America's Funniest Home videos for a long time. For a very long time, yeah. Do you know, I actually went back and watched, because Bob Saget's mostly known for playing the dad on, um, on Full House. I actually went back and watched Full House recently. Oh, so bad. So bad. I was so disappointed. <laughs> Does your 90s obsession know no bounds <laughs> that, that you're reduced to watching Full House? No, but what, I saw Full House on Netflix and I thought, well, and I watched a little bit of it and it was terrible. And I thought, surely the original wasn't this bad. So I went back and watched it and boy, was I wrong. <laughs> mm, yeah, that is. A lot of things are supposed to stay in memory. Yeah, that's definitely true. And uh, if you're a fan of Full House, leave it in your memory. Don't go back and watch it. It's not great. Mm. But anyway, so Lisa, she's babysitting Ralph Wigan. We get one of the classic Ralph Wigan moments. How did she land so many gigs so quickly? Yeah, exactly. She's booked two babysitting gigs through the week and then has, off the back of those two alone, has got enough faith to then look after a kid that they know is really hard on babysitters. Homer and March really throw her in the deep end here, actually. They've... Bad parenting. Actually, it's three gigs. Remember she babysits the Hibbert's kids as well? Did she? Oh, okay. Yeah, because when he's driving off in his car and he falls backwards. Ah, yes, of course. (laughs) That's very funny. Driving away just like a ghost car. A ghost car. I think that's actually one of my favorite Wiggum. It probably is my favorite Wiggum line. It's just so great. A ghost car. So we then get Homer and Marge walking down the stairs looking very classy, looking probably the classiest we've ever seen them. And they have to drop the bombshell news to Bart that he's going to be babysitted by Lisa. Now, this moment here reminded me of um, from Homer's phobia when they're trying to get it through to Homer that uh, John was a homosexual, but he's just not getting it. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Of, like, not seeing what's coming. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, yeah, and I suppose. And it's also very obvious to the viewer that it's going to be Lisa. Yeah. So, yes. So, obviously, Bart is extremely pissed off that Lisa's going to be in charge of him. I'm, you know what? I'd love to find out. I'd love to see what you would be like babysitting a shit of a kid. Like, how would you go at being a babysitter? I just, I don't know. I just don't know whether you could do it. <laughs> you mean if I was looking after him? Well, just a- any kid in general. Like, you know, we haven't got kids, but, you know, your neighbor's kid, anybody. Because I think that I think you'd be even worse for someone else's kid. <laughs> no, I would um, threaten very quickly. Not so much violence, but it would be a case of... Go to bed or I will burn whatever it is that they were like, you know, if they had a toy that they liked, they'd be like, go to bed or I'm burning that and you will never have it again. It's like, you can't do that. I'm like, watch me. You can't, but you can't do that. You can't threaten to burn a child's favorite toy. <laughs> uh, I'd hold a lighter to it for sure. You, and you would too. You actually would. <laughs> I'm going to visualize you doing it. Sometimes it's the only way to let kids know. But I'm telling you right now, if when Elliot's older, if he makes a gag like, if he, I say go to bed and he goes to the bread, I don't think I'm going to be able to punish him because it's it's, <laughs> it's a great reference. No. No, no. Go, mate, that's the most obvious pun you could have made. Yeah, but I mean, he's going to be referencing the, sh- he's making a reference to the show to try and earn my respect. 
Ah, oh, okay. Sorry, if he was doing it as a callback. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then he's like, hey, Dad, Simpsons reference. You get it? You get it? Now, can I, can I stay out for another hour? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hilarious. No, you can't. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that Lisa here, like, she kind of deserves it because she's really talking down to Bart because Bart... They, they do so much together. They solve mysteries. They, you know, they, they fight crime. They do all this other stuff together. And now she's being put in charge for the night. But now she's talking down to him like he's a little four-year-old. Like, now, nah, there you go, Bart. And you just go to bed and I'll, you know, I'll give you a treat. It's, I just, it's very patronizing. Does she have to talk down to him like that? But that's also, that's just her differentiating Lisa the sister to Lisa the babysitter. Like, she's in babysitting mode. So, it's not... I think I, I didn't take that as her being patronizing. I just took that as her trying to be. It is a little patronizing, but it's professional. She's like, "This is how I talk to the other children. This is how I will talk to Bart." Yeah, but still, Bart is like, "It's her brother." I'd be like, "Come on, shut the fuck up." I mean, just talk to me like I'm normally. Like, I, you don't have to tell me what to do. We'll just hang out together. Mm. How many times have they just hung out together? Now she's trying to you know, take control. She's just taking her role seriously. Yeah, but there's a difference between taking your role seriously and just being an idiot. Like they've done, they usually hang out together, and now she's just treating him like a child. Well, that's because you have the mind of a ten-year-old, Dante. <laughs> no, you try and tell me that if your parents left, just say your sister was only two years younger than you, and your parents left your sister in charge of you, that you would be fine with it? Yeah. Well, look, I'd understand what they were trying to do. No, you would not. I'd, I'd humour them. <laughs> no, I. You wouldn't. Would. Sure, I would. I'm a nice guy. Easy to get along with. <laughs> That's the biggest bullshit statement you've ever made on this podcast. I, I, tore shre- <laughs> I tore shreds off someone at work today over something really innocuous, actually. Yeah? Where uh, some people had come in and they they were from Carayo. So, you know, it's a it's a couple of kilometers away from where I work. Uh, they, as you're aware, there were massive storms that were going through Victoria today. Uh, so, they came in. It wasn't raining at the time. And they were like, did you guys get the rain here too? And, you know, to them, politely, yes, as soon as they left and the door shut. It's just, you're from Cario, not the fucking Blue Mountains. Of course we got the rain here, dickhead. We're in the same part of the country. But sometimes in Geelong, even, like, a different suburb might get rain and another one won't. No, I know, but I was I was just not in the mood for small chit-chat. But anyway, back to the episode. So we're now at the Squidport, and Homer is driving down the pedestrian walkway. This is actually one of my favourite lines in the whole episode. I just love the way it drags off the, just couldn't be going, stop, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, uh, that's a joke that it's a bit of a shame and a sign of the times that that's evocative of some pretty awful um, incidents over the last year or two. So, I found it, it was like, ha ha, oh. like it was, I almost felt like I couldn't laugh at that anymore. Oh, yeah, but you know, he's, he's not driving over people. No, it wasn't dangerous. Yeah, but it, it still makes you, I mean... Maybe it's only because the the Burke Street case was only very recently in the news, so that footage had been getting played again. But that was like it just evoked bad memories, which sucks. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just terrible. You know, actually, I'm just thinking about it now. In this episode, Bart orders all this shit to the house, right? Surely Homer received a bill for it at the end, right? Like you can't just order all this stuff and then just not have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, presumably, I got a bill that time that I accidentally ordered a subway platter and didn't. Right, and then collected it from a different subway. <laughs> what, in the city? Yes. There are two subways in Geelong, one in Westfield, one in uh, Ryrie Street. I forgot about the Ryrie Street one. I ordered um, two platters for a, a corporate event that we were hosting and went to the Westfield one. Just went, hey, I've got those two platters. They gave it to me. I paid. I left. Uh, but it turns out they were two platters for somebody else. And then 15 minutes later, the store that I actually ordered it from called. And it's like, hey, it's Greg. Um 
just wondering if you're coming to get your sandwiches. And I was like, uh, what are you talking about, Greg? I have the sandwiches. <laughs> and then realized what had happened. He's like, so, so you're still going to get them? I'm like, uh, well, I mean, I got to be honest with you, mate. I've got no need for them now. <laughs> It's like, he turns out you go to the other place and that employee is also named Greg. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It was. In the end, I bought them at cost price, but I was there going like, this, oh, okay. it's just that this really feels like it's a Subway problem, not a Mitch problem. I'm envisioning, you know, Home of the Giant Sandwich. I'm envisioning that's what you were like for like the next six oh, weeks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You can revive a Subway sandwich that is up to six days old by chucking it in a sandwich press. Oh, you certainly can. I've done it heaps of times. Oh, you can't do it with every sandwich though, can you? No, nah, look, if it's like a ham and salami, it's no dramas. I wouldn't do it with the chicken and certainly not the fish. Ew, fish. You, what, if you're ordering fish at Subway, you're failing anyway. <laughs> That's fair. It's not even real fish. <laughs> Sorry, guys, listeners there. We just had a little quick break while Dando tended to a crying Elliot. There will be another break. Keen listeners will be able to spot it by another one of these messages. <laughs> But anyway, so getting back to Bart being a <laughs> anyway, naughty child. So where we, yeah, exactly. Where we left it, Bart was at the dinner table asking for some lima beans. It's. I thought he was going to do the little more, little more, little more, too much to take it back yeah. again. I thought that's where it was going, but it turned into, oh, no, I'm not going to eat them. I just wanted to look at them to see how disgusting they were. Now, as much as he pushed that away, it also looked like there was a tasty bit of chicken on the plate that could have been deep fried or certainly oven baked. So I didn't notice that. I was surprised to see whatever the meat product was also be pushed away. I um I think Bart was just being, he didn't care what was on the plate. It could have been anything and he was just going to push mm. away. It could have been crustios. He didn't care. He was just going to push away because he just wanted, he, he's just being just in spite basically because he just, just wanted, wanted to ruin else. Lisa's night. Yeah. Uh, although Lisa does still give him ice cream straight off the back of that. That's true. One thing, there's one moment here and this is where you won me over your point of view about how Bart being naughty and being a, a shithead. When he makes Maggie cry, mm. I was like, hey, yeah, slow yeah. down, you yeah. little shithead. Don't make your sister yeah. cry. That was the moment we, I've got in brackets here, actually being a dick. And then peps her up on caffeine as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's poor behavior, poor brothering. <laughs> it's it's a, your quote for the episode, just pour this, pour that. <laughs> bad, ba- bad <laughs> brothering. I did really like the, not so much the animation in the chair, but then from this point, the way they drew Maggie on caffeine was very funny. She was just constantly just erratic. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Marge is then in awe of everything, just walking down the, uh, it's, it's kind of like, basically, this is like Lisa, uh, not Lisa, uh, Nicola and I, when we go to a fancy restaurant or a fancy hotel, like, whoa, napkins, like, whoa, <laughs> look at the towels, they're like embroidered and everything. Like, like it's just... Common folk at a place where they really shouldn't be, but really the funny thing is that it's just a fucking boardwalk. It's not that big of a deal, but to the yeah. but to Margin Homer, this is like whoa, fancy, you know. There are some uh, very funny ep- uh, store titles as they notice through here. So we got yeah, it's a wonderful knife, which I was a big fan. Oh, of. I didn't see that one. Yeah, uh, Turban Outfitters, which was <laughs> the Turban Sales Store. I know we got Malaria Zone was one. Yeah, Malaria Zone was one that they that she actually said out loud. Now, I didn't actually get what that one was a play on. Um, Malaria Zone oh, was a play on. How's that? So, they've got My First Tattoo, which specialised in children's tattoos. Huh. I wonder if it's the guy from episode one working in there. Uh, you can only just see the face, so it's hard to tell. Okay. Now, did you... Do you remember here where Marge is... It's like Paris. Oh, sorry. One more. <laughs> um, much Ado About Muffin. That's a great one. I actually do know that one, yeah. <laughs> to eat or not to eat. Marge says here, it's almost like being in Paris. And Homer turns around and says, you've never been? They use that same joke again in mm. Homer's Enemy. Yeah, that's very true. 
Not sure whether they um, meant it. About but, you know. space. Yeah, about space. Right? Yeah, I'm not sure if they meant yeah. that, but anyway. So then Maggie is just being really energetic at home and Ma- and Lisa's just trying to control her, but she can't. She's just crawling over the shower and whatnot. Bart is not getting ready for bed. I can kind of get... Because when you're a kid, going to bed's like the worst thing in the world, right? Like, it's just... For some reason, you just don't want to do it. Just like eating vegetables. Majority of children, for whatever yeah. reason, just do not want to eat their vegetables. So I can kind of see why Bart is being... Why Bart doesn't want to go to bed, but the way he's behaving is not fair on Lisa. She's done... Lisa's done nothing wrong at all. No. And Bart does have a bedtime. Yeah. yeah well, the thing is, shouldn't Lisa have a bedtime too? The weird thing about that... Yeah, exactly. Lisa would normally have a bedtime as well, but in this instance, she's sending him to bed, but she has to then stay up, presumably, to greet Homer and Marge when they come home. That's the only thing about this episode, is they sort of change a lot of common threads just for the sake of the story. Mm. It's just... It's like, uh, I guess it works within this one story, which you've argued in the past that that's fine, because each episode should be looked at as its own thing, not a continuation of the next one or the one from prior. I, yeah, look, I argue that with with uh, plot points and not necessarily having to carry over histories, but I don't necessarily like it when they change characters. Their behaviour, exactly, yeah. Yeah. They do a lot with Homer. They do it more often with Homer than Bart. But they don't normally... They haven't done it with Bart for a long time, I don't think. No, I think he'd been pretty constant for a while. Good evening there, miss. Here's your giant sub, swimming in vinegar, just the way you like it. It's going to be $225 plus tip. What? I didn't order any giant sub. Are you ready to get rowdy? Excuse me? Somebody hired me for an emergency bachelor party. Well, there's been a mistake. Well, I'm not leaving till I get paid. I get 500 just for hey, hey. Who called for an emergency hysterectomy? <laughs> we got a report that a Lisa Simpson spotted a UFO. I didn't see any UFO. That's right, miss. You didn't. I'm here to pick up the ambassador from Ghana. Well, he's not here! Nobody's here! And none of you should be here! You've all been tricked! Oh. Why would the ambassador do such a thing? The cysterectomy. That's one thing I never picked up on until this review. The cysterectomy. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, I, <laughs> it's actually very... Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that joke. That's a good yeah. pun. Yeah, it definitely was. Now, here's the other throwback. So, the UFO guy, the UFO guy rocks up. That's mm-hmm. right, Miss, you didn't. Turns to the guy from NASA. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The guy that's sent away. Yeah. Yeah. That um, Is that the same? I don't know if it is, but is it the same guy that is later working at Area 51A? What was that? Area 51A? That's when Lisa catches the bus in, uh, I don't know what episode it is. Oh, yeah. Lost our Lisa. Yeah. Well, I'm not too sure. Maybe. I uh, Maybe. We'll have to, when we get up to that one, we'll soon find out. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Then we get the ambassador. I love the quote, why would the ambassador do such a thing? Yes. <laughs> I know why I liked it so much. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just the, me the innocence of it. It's just like he's been personally offended. <laughs> and and not even just offended, but hurt and confused. I love it too later on when Krusty's like, all right, all right, I'll settle as long as you give me some of that big sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> but uh, I've got here too. I feel like Bart doing all these things, he could have ended this episode with sort of like a Home Alone 2 throwback with Homer getting the bill at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could have worked. <laughs> Krusty comes back to the front door, gets some chewing gum. <laughs> that movie's amazing. I, I, I don't know about <laughs> you, but I watch it every Christmas. Do you? Uh, most. It's just, it's, it's the go-to. 
And for some reason, I have a real infatuation. I love Elf. It might sound silly to you because it's a Will Ferrell movie, but I really like Elf. No, that's a good movie. A lot of people really like Elf. Yeah. It's, it's just, wholesome. It, it's a wholesome family. We don't get movies like that very often anymore. Yeah. No, I'm organizing an outdoor screening of Elf for our Cricket Club Christmas party yeah. because I think that it appeals to all. Definitely. It's a it's a movie where even grown men, it's got mushy moments, but grown men can still not be embarrassed to enjoy it. I thought I told you to go to bed. Yeah, right. Bread. You said go to bread. I said go to bed. Yeah, go to bread. B-E-D. Bed. Oh, bed. Oh. Well, anything you say, sis. <sighs> You didn't say which bed. I think this is the quote that everyone remembers from the episode, the go-to bread, right? That's got to be the most iconic, do you think, of this whole... Oh, no. Um, no? I don't oh, bad babysitting, so. of course, but... Besides well, it's not bad, even that. What do you oh, loneliness and hamburgers are a dangerous mix. Well, Mitch, guess what you just did? Ruined something? It's not hamburgers. Cheeseburgers. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. We can Let's... just edit that in. Oh, we could, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll draw out like a three star review on iTunes now. Really good show, but they get the quotes wrong. Yeah, they, they claim to be experts, which I, I don't. I do. <laughs> but the thing is here that so for the sake of the gag, where he says you didn't say which bed, the layout of the house is all messed up because he's mm. jumping on his parents' bed. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Their bedrooms at the end of the hallway. What are we supposed to believe? This is some sort of <laughs> magic hallway. What is a grown man like you talking, doing a podcast about a children's cartoon show? From 20 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, then he's trying to get away from Lisa, falls down the stairs. It's pretty brutal. And I've got here, the sound effect of his shoulder when it moves around is fucking gross. Uh, yeah, it kind of um, sounded like someone getting their cheeks and going like... Yes. Did that pick up on the microphone? I I, I heard it. Good. <laughs> and I visualized it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had I was just watching the episode with headphones on, and like just hearing the sound of my ears, it just gave me chills down my spine. I was like, Ugh. Mm. I don't know why. But the sound effect probably was just Dave, uh, Dan Castellano just jiggling his cheeks into the microphone. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or they actually dislocated Nancy Cartwright's shoulder for authenticity. Uh, well, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It was Hollywood in the nineties. That's true. We come back from commercial, and Bart's shoulders dislocated. So. Lisa's trying to help him, but he will not let her because he wants to preserve the evidence and prove just how bad of a babysitter she is when really, mm-hmm. she hasn't been a bad babysitter. He did it himself. Yeah. I mean, she she did play a part by chasing him a little bit. Like, I think the best thing to do here would have been to just go downstairs and sit on the couch and take the air out of the situation. Mm. So, he locks himself in his room so she can't get to him. Then we get my favourite moment of Homer walking into the, the fountain. You know, honey, when I think of all the good times we've had together... Did you see that, Marge? Oh, my God, you walked into the fountain! Get out of the fountain! Stand still and I'll get someone! Don't nap at me! I was wet like you! Did you, now don't lie, did you ever get done by the water little fountains in the mall in Geelong? Uh, I've come close. I've never actually got wet, but there were certainly times where I'd be walking and then they would just shoot out at you and you're like, whoa, 
Yeah, <laughs> it scares the shit out of you. But the thing is, mm. I feel like they've turned them off now. Yeah, I haven't seen them operate for a very long time. Maybe the Mel can be like our version of the squid port. Maybe when they, they, they do up the Mel, because the Mel's shocking, don't you reckon? It's like the worst part of Geelong. Uh, oh, by far. I mean, the bus stop, that whole area, it's... um, It's a no-go zone. You just don't go there anymore. No, I... I Saw someone get arrested there recently, actually. Like, cops came from everywhere. So it was like a woman in her 50s that I believe had a knife. So, it was just a regular Tuesday then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah, no one even, no one else even looked over their shoulder. It was also the Mel. I posted this photo on um, on the Patreon oh, page yeah, a little while yeah. ago where I was just comfortably eating a cheese and bacon roll, turned a corner into the Mel. There were 50 seagulls. Just, <laughs> it was a... A, a gang staring at me and it wasn't like happy-go-lucky seagulls they looked at me and went that's ours bitch <laughs> just, i just quietly placed it on the ground and backed away oh man was that from the the asian bakery from um uh yes now that sounds bad to anyone not from geelong but it's it um does but it's uh, it's not it's it's just what it is yeah <laughs> exactly um the best barn me <laughs> that you will ever find and for like $5.50 have you ever had some of their radioactive green pies? Not the green ones, no. Well, we, we used to call it, I haven't had them since I was in high school, but we used to get the pies, they're like a dollar fifty each, proper meat pies. But they, mm. the, the, you know when you cook like, cha, I say chow min, you might say chow mine, but you know like chow min where the meat sort of like goes like a greeny. Why like would I say chow mine? So I, a, a guy at work says chow mine. Well, he's wrong. <laughs> I just didn't know. I just wanted to make sure. It's not potato, might, potato. It's just... <laughs> But you know when you're cooking chamin and it's just got that green sort of look to it because it's with all the cabbage and whatnot. Gotcha. Yeah. It just had that kind of vibe. I think because they put cabbage in the pie, they're fucking brilliant though. They were so good. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they do cabbage anymore. It sounds like the ice cream man's at your house. I was about to say, can you hear the ice cream man? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, Lisa's trying to get Bart out of his room and he just won't. Because she's well, she's scared of what people will think, which is quite right. Because if I was babysitting somebody, like you said with, you, with your brother, for mm. example, when you you accidentally hurt him, it's like, all right, how am I going to cover this up? This is that moment. Yeah, this is the moment of things escalating beyond control. Yes. Uh oh, I am a child in an adult's world, and yes. I don't know how to fix this. And then Bart starts banging his head on the door. And I'm watching this, I'm thinking, I never, I completely forgot just how bad he was, like self harming himself. What's going on? Yeah, this is like um. Jim Carrey and Liar Liar trying to get out of court. Yeah, uh, knocks himself out. Lisa then calls 911, but they're not having any of it. Hello, this is Lisa Simpson. Simpson? Look, we've already been out there tonight for a cysterectomy, a case of severe butt rot, and a leprechaun bite. How dumb do you think we are? She then visualizes what would happen if she calls Dr. Hibbert. Dislocated shoulder, bump on the noggin. My diagnosis? Bad babysitting. Well, near as we can tell, the boy was studying quietly when the girl, drunk on her own sense of power, beat him silly with a block of frozen lima beans. It's true. Young lady, you will never babysit again. I am so disappointed. Pointed. I love the... Hmm. Bump on the noggin. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just such a quaint way of putting it. Yes. I always saw it as, saw it as an Aussie term though, noggin. It obviously isn't. Yeah, that's um, that's a fair point. I, I guess it is worldwide, but I think surely way more common in Australia 
Then she decides she's going to call Dr. Nick because just as his ad says, he's as good as Dr. Hibbert. He also speaks Spanish. That's true. Yeah, I've noticed that. Marge is then at dinner with Homer. She's worried about the kids. and This is used quite a lot in comedies. When the parents are out and the kids are at home, it's always the wife who's concerned. And the, the father's like, oh, don't worry about them. They'll be fine. And you always cut to them, not fine. Yes. <laughs> Lisa's trying to push a knocked out Bart with a dislocated shoulder in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and Maggie's just all over him. And she, it, uh, she says here, Maggie, and I never realised this, but whenever Jet does something, I say Jet's name, but I say Jetty, uh-uh. just like that. And I'm like, ah, oh, I've subconsciously got that from this episode. Yeah, right. Interesting. And then I proceed to lock Jet in a cage, just like she locks Maggie in a cage. No, we never <laughs> do that. Uh, do you know we once had a, a dog uh, trainer at a house who tried to tell us that we have to lock Jet in a cage every night? Was it Was it Jimmy? No, it wasn't Jimmy, no. Oh, of course, because Jimmy's a good trainer. <laughs> Jimmy's good, yeah, but it was this woman, and she goes, well, that's why we've got Jet's mat, because she goes, you can use the mat, but I recommend you use the cage, because that way they will not leave. And I was like, yeah, but if you just train him, yeah. he could just stay on his mat. Like, I recommend I- loving the dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I, said to, I, said, I turned to Nicola and I said, yeah, Jet's kind of like one of the family, so I'm not going to be locking him in the cage. It's just not going mm. to happen. And then at mm. the end of the night, you know what she tried to do? She tried to sell us some of the cages she had in her van. So, ah, ah, what a sh- what a shock! It was the better. It was the Saul Goodman of dog trainers. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Maggie. Please go to sleep. In brackets, I got here. This is my life. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Like Elliot, he's, he's teething at the moment, listeners, and he's not necessarily crying at night. He's just it wakes him up, and then he's just awake. And I'm like, mm. hey, Elliot, it's two fifteen in the morning, mate. I've got to go to work in four hours. Do you reckon you could maybe go down for half an hour? And he looks at you and he's like, I could in theory, but I could also just sit here and stare at you for another three hours until it's almost time for you to go to work and then go to sleep. So you get half an hour of sleep. What do you reckon, Dad? You can't just lay him down on your chest and fall asleep. Isn't that how it works? Oh, but I don't trust. Uh, when I'm laying in bed, because he can roll now, I just fear that he will roll over, roll off me, or roll off the bed, God forbid, and I'll, I'll roll on top of him, because I move a lot when I sleep. Babies don't have that many bones to break, though. So, like, but really, they have the, faces the... that you can cover and suffocate, Mitch. Yeah, but adults have that. Like, anyone can suffocate. But, Mitch, he's a, he's a child. <laughs> Look, Dando, do you want to sleep or not? Sometimes in life, you've got to take a risk. What did you learn in this episode, Dando? That Mitch should not be having a kid anytime soon. <laughs> Uh, then Snake arrives So she goes to Dr. Nick's clinic Snake arrives I love that the nurse Just knows what it is This, this is Better Call Saul but Dr. <laughs> Nick is Better Call Saul of, of doctors Yeah That's very true I, um, That's Francesca I fell on a bullet And forced it into me Yeah You don't have to lie here Save that for court <laughs> <laughs> When you think about it Saul Goodman Is basically He's Lionel Hutz Don't you reckon uh, Oh well I mean there are similarities For sure He's a little bit better than at it than Lionel Hutz is. I was going to say, Lionel Hutz is yeah, incompetent where, yeah. But he's willing yeah. to turn turn a blind eye to people breaking the law and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking here that Dr. Net, Dr. Nick, if you want to draw a comparison, is the vet from Better Call Saul. Yeah, true. That's, yeah, that's true. So now we get to the moment. I'll let you elaborate what happens here. The very adult joke that I had missed, because it is remarkably subtle. It's not even, apart from the visual, it's not hinted at at all. And it's just Lisa asking... Mr. Smithers, do you mind if I go in front of you? And Smithers, the line gives away nothing. It's just, uh, I uh, I really would prefer to get this sorted. Um, and it's just Smithers, everyone else is sitting. Smithers is standing up. So Smithers has clearly got something stuck in his rectum. I learned about this probably two or three years ago when I did an article for our site about like adult jokes that you never picked up on as a kid in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my gosh, you're right. 
It was staring right funny. in the face this whole time. <laughs> very, very funny. They do not acknowledge it at all. It's just there. The thing that's so much that's even better about it is that this is a thing that happens in real life a lot. Like emergency rooms are full of stories of people that get something stuck inside them and then have to, you know, kind of waddle their way in or get driven in there on their stomach in the back seat of the car to um, extract it. How does Mitch Grinter tell a doctor that he's got something caught in his rectum? Uh, it depends on what the something is. So I think it's got to be huh. an apple. Classic story, Doc. I was uh, I was at the orchard. I was um, helping volunteer and fell off a ladder. And wouldn't you believe it? Straight in. No, I wouldn't believe it, Mitch. So I had it really happen. It's um, <laughs> what's the line? Is it Seinfeld? I think it's million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. Wickham then pulls Lisa over. She thinks she's in trouble. Hold it right there. Well, if it isn't Springfield's finest little babysitter, Lisa Simpson. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm fine. Now, Lisa, when you're walking down the side of the road, you always want to be sure to go with traffic, okay? Well, is that with traffic or against traffic? No, it's with traffic. With traffic. Anyway, good night. Uh, hold on a minute. Let me have a look at that wheelbarrow, please. Just as I thought. It's a yard king. That is a quality barrel. Well, I gotta run. Oh, God. Where's Bart? How did Bart fall out of the wheelbarrow? I was going to say... He's unconscious and the wheelbarrow is relatively stable. Unless Bart had half woken up, maybe he murmured. I don't know. I just think it's very convenient, if you ask me. I think Lisa pushed him before Wiggum came back. Probably. Because she's a bad babysitter. She is a bad babysitter. Then we get Quimby's speech, and this is where Lisa gets... This is where it all unravels. She gets caught. So, what the hell is that? My favourite part about this whole thing is Helen Lovejoy, and she's on drugs. (laughs) (laughs) But the shiny moment is Dr. Hibbert's diagnosis. It's just so memorable, isn't it? It is really good, and the pose is fantastic. Yeah. It almost goes a different direction to what you think. Because just before he says, my diagnosis, bad babysitting, he also says, my diagnosis, bad fall down the stairs. Yeah. Or bad babysitting. Caused by bad babysitting. Yes. <laughs> and then it's the end of the episode, essentially. I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, pretty much. Bart apologizes and then Lisa gets more geeks. I, I did love her line of, I could always sell seeds. Do you want to buy some seeds? Want some seeds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty great. Also here, I've got Lisa now has a phone in her room. Uh, well, I guess she installed that for the business. Just like when Bart installed it for the Bart vs. Australia story? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, all in all, this this episode wasn't... I, I was going into it with a negative mind because of what you said last week. Not saying that you, I shouldn't have. I'm just saying I was looking for the negatives and they're all there. Bart is a terrible person. He's written, he's written quite poorly in this episode. But I still do think that they did a good job of capturing that sibling rivalry and they wrote it from a real child's perspective. It does have his funny moments. I think Homer has the funniest moments in this whole episode. Him at the Squidport. I wish I had more scenes of him at the Squidport. It's almost a story there in itself. It's not the best episode of the season by far. It's hard to say it's going to be not the worst either because the episodes are so great in this season that this one probably would be down the lower end of you know the top episode it's, rankings. It's been one of the season. weaker ones, definitely. But it's yeah. um, but it's it's still it's got its mo- it's got enough moments, enough key moments like the go to bread and things like that to make you. Want to go back and rewatch it? Yeah, um, I yeah, I think it. I agree with that. That it's it's not 
all of its parts don't add up to a great whole, but the parts that you get are memorable and worth watching, you know, in, in enough of the moments. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? I learned that refrigerated privileges are a sacred trust between babysitter and parent. And porn privileges. It, well, yeah, even more sacred, those ones. <laughs> I learned to never leave you alone with Elliot and some coffee or ice cream because I know you won't be able to resist yourself. Uh, you know how you were saying you're having a hard time getting him to sleep, Dando? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it all along. I've, I've laced all of the baby formula. <laughs> <laughs> You've somehow injected Nicola's breasts with caffeine. Uh, well, I don't know if it needs to go straight into the breast. I'm pretty sure if I just give her caffeine, then that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> okay. I don't know. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. Mailbag time. What do you got for me this week, Mitch? What I've got for you this week is one email. Listeners, uh, I'm going to apologize. It's a short mail because Dando, uh, baby Dando's bath is running. Right and- now, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> Mama Dando is calling for Papa Dando to come through. So I, uh, I heard Brandon. Find... I was like, oh, I need to hurry up. I'm in trouble. <laughs> let's find a question. Dilly G wrote in with a, uh, a question. He had two last week. So this he is did his have other two, one, yeah? and we only did one. Um, oh, so this is a personal question. How did you each propose to your wives? Hmm, okay. Uh, so we were, I'll start. Um, we were on, it sounds silly, but we were in Tasmania, and I was, that's not the silly part. Uh, so we're in Tasmania on a holiday just over the weekend and I knew going in there I was going to propose to Nicola at some point and I wanted it to be this whole romantic thing and whatnot. You know, you always plan for it to be as romantic as possible and I almost did it on one of, like, on the main road. It was like this park area and I almost did it but then this guy sort of like walked past us and it sort of like killed the moment. I was like, oh, no, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. And then we were doing this ghost tour and we're at the front of this nice church and Nicola's like, oh, I'd love to get married in a church like this. It's, it's, a be- it's beautiful. And I thought, oh, okay. And then we, um, a sh- uh, literally at that moment, a shooting star went over. I was like, and it sounds soppy, but I was like, all right, that's a sign. I literally, I handed my phone to this girl that was on the ghost tour with us. I said, here, can you please film this? She had no idea what was going on. She's like, okay. And mm-hmm. I just got down on one knee. The video is up on my Facebook page. And I um, just proposed to Nicola. And the reason I, got it, I filmed it was so that her family back home could see it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, they, they miss out on everything. You know what I mean? Because they're not here living with us. Yeah. So I thought I'd film it for them. And um, yes, yeah, so that's where I proposed. It's, we've actually got the video of it at the front of a church. One of the main churches on the ghost tour in Launceston, in Tasmania. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, I did... Well, I went on... Um, Game show hosted by Grant Denyer, Million Dollar Minute, and won a couple thousand dollars, which I put towards an engagement ring. Um, so, Ash uh, Ash knew about that, but didn't. So, basically, I won that. I knew the money was there. I then bought an engagement ring without Ash knowing. So, um, it was in the time between winning it and the show going to air. So, we hadn't actually received the money yet. Uh, then, on our third anniversary, we went up to Queensland. We were going up to Mackay, which was one of the places. It was a place that we sort of went on our first proper date to. Um, and I, I, the, the how of it was pretty basic. I just put the ring in the minibar and said, "There's, you know, why don't you grab something from the minibar? Um, there's something in there for you." She opened it, saw a chocolate bar, thought that's what I was talking about, and then. <laughs> behind that, I was like, no, no, but behind behind the Cadbury. Um, she saw the box, just thought it was a third anniversary gift, not so much uh, anything else yet. And then she opened it. There was a little card inside the box that said, marry me. And 
the, the I, I guess the bit where this then becomes sweet is that I'd also booked another room for our friends at that hotel. So about 20 minutes later, friends burst in, Ash's mum comes in, we've all got champagne, we all went out and proceeded to get very, very drunk in Early Beach and meet some backpackers, which is the way you want to bring in any engagement party, I think. Uh, or not engagement yeah, party, awesome. but engagement celebration. I was going to say, I couldn't imagine you doing the whole get down on one knee thing. No, no, that's not me. Uh, I, it did nearly all cock up. <laughs> unless, unless, unless Bill Murray, and then you get down on both I'd, knees. Oh, I'm not worthy. Yeah. I'd kept it secret so well for months. Like, no one had given anything away. And then I called the hotel the day before, going, by the way, my wife can't know about the second room. Like, it's, it's just... My girlfriend can't know. Sorry, girlfriend. My, yes, thank you. I'm so used to saying wife, but I was like, she she cannot yeah. know about this. Otherwise, it sounds like you've got another wife on the side. Exactly. No one's supposed to know about My side wife. And then <laughs> then I get up there. It's obviously a different girl on the counter because she, she just goes, now with the second room, would you like uh, the beds pushed together or some some innocuous question like that? I was like, ex-nay on the ekin room, say. <laughs> was Ash there? She was, but luckily she was on her phone um, having a conversation. Just So she was right next to me, but didn't actually register what oh. got said. What would you have done if she had spoiled it right then? Like, what was the cover-up? Uh, well, if that had happened, maybe then I would have just dropped on my knees and made a big show of it at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Oh, what do you say, <laughs> baby? I I haven't got a ring. It's in the fridge in the room. <laughs> but <laughs> It was also by the way how I learned to get free champagne from a hotel because I got champagne and some chocolate sent up to us just because I'd told them, look, I'm proposing. So... If you're booking into a hotel anywhere, listeners, regardless of how long you've been together, just take your just take your wedding rings off at the counter and tell them that it's for a, a proposal. You will get free shit. You know what doesn't work anymore? Trying to get upgrade of seats when you're on your honeymoon. Yeah, no, that doesn't. Too many people have cottoned on to that one, I reckon. But if yeah. you go to the effort of saying, no, I'm proposing, I don't reckon they'd have the courage to call you out on it. Uh, true, but then they'd have to make sure that you have proposed before that... Oh, I suppose you could just pretend that you, you could just. I could just get Nicola to pretend like she'd just been proposed to. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, it's foolproof. I'm going to try it next time. Good. Next time we get the chance to go to a hotel without a crying baby, mm, or with the crying baby, and maybe tell her that um, this is why I'm proposing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> her family's very Catholic. Yes, <laughs> they're from England. They don't know. Alrighty, but there's two very nice stories, two different stories, but both nice nonetheless. Mm, cool, done. All right, I can hear your kid crying in the background and bath yeah, time that's... is about to be had. So let's wrap up the mailbag and wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to all of the patrons who continue to support the show. Uh, we will be reviewing... Well, so we're getting our review up very soon for Jurassic Park. Uh, we had a good email suggestion actually to review the film Arrival. So we might do that as a Movie Guys podcast because I really want to crack in and have a very in-depth conversation about the themes from that and days uh, holidays of future past obviously around the corner as well and i think we still owe an x-men episode to um x-files Hall. sorry <laughs> x-files x-files episode to Reese Hall. uh and next week we're going to be reviewing homer versus the 18th amendment what an episode mm. can't wait do you even know what it is or are you just pretending <laughs> uh no that's rex banner it's the beer baron yeah it's yeah. incredible Absolutely yeah. incredible. But yeah, like Mitch said, thanks again to all the patrons for your support. And just thanks to all the listeners out there who continue to download the show each and every week. If you've got friends who love The Simpsons and they're not listening to the show, make sure you give them a heads up. And also thanks to everybody who has taken the time this week to rate and review us on the iTunes store. We're going, we're getting more and more reviews each week. 
Big thumbs up to you guys. But for now, Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Hmm. Few jokes. Couple of anecdotes. My diagnosis. Good podcasting. Shh.